Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Career Services Assistant Director Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our show... I'm Dr. Brett Klopek. I'm an Associate Professor of Geography here at Northwest. Welcome. Welcome. Yes, we're very excited to have you. And I yeah. love your globes. Oh, <laughs> it just uh, frames perfectly on the on the video. Sorry, office, people who are listening. <laughs> my office has become the repository of my collection that my wife doesn't want at home. So, <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit of your story, how you came to Northwest. Okay, so I grew up in Harvard, Nebraska, which is a small town, not quite a thousand people. And I was tell people I graduated middle of my class at Harvard. <laughs> so, and then uh, from there, I ended up at University of Nebraska Kearney, uh, which is about an hour and a half away from where I grew up. Most of my family, actually, I believe every single college graduate in my extended family that ever graduated anywhere graduated from Nebraska Kearney or Nebraska State College or Nebraska State Teachers College or Nebraska. even I had a great aunt who graduated when it was Nebraska State Normal School. And we kind of had a, a legacy at Nebraska Kearney. So from there, I ended up at uh, Oklahoma State. I got a master's degree and I majored in computer science and geography at Nebraska Kearney. And then I continued on in uh, geography at Oklahoma State for a couple of years. And then from there, I went to University of Kansas and got my PhD there. So why com- that seems computer science? Uh, that, that's an interesting choice of majors. How did you get there? Um, well, it was not my first major for sure. Uh, my first declared major was music performance. So I had the idea that I was going to be either a music, some type of music performance or maybe like a high school music teacher, like a band teacher. And so I declared that as my first major. My mother is a lifelong uh, special education teacher at our high school. And so I don't know if she was feeling a little jaded on the educational field at the time, but she said, you got to go, you got to do something besides just teach. And um, I was kind of, I kind of, grew up in kind of the infancy of like personal computing, like home computing. And so it was just something I gravitated toward and found out that I like building computers. I like tearing them apart. I like fixing other people's computers. And so that just seemed like the most natural fit based on what I, what I already knew by the time I got to college. So I think I was a music major for like two weeks and I don't never took a music class. What was your instrument? Uh, brass. Brass. Uh, French horn, trumpet, baritone. Anything with three keys. I was a tuba player, sousaphone and tuba yep. player. Very fun. Low yep. brass, very fun. I agree. They're the that's the best part of the band. So So geography then. So talk about kind of that like computer science aspect, but then geography. The geography thing was like a lifelong something in the back of my mind, and I just never quite knew where it fit. I started in computer science thinking that okay, it's what I know the best. It was also you know, the hot thing at the time, computer programming and like web page design and all that was so sought after. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'm good at it and I can easily find a job. And that's basically as much thought as I put into it. <laughs> and my minor at the time was something like graphic design or something like an artistic minor, which I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I, I just thought that computer, if I want to do web-based like web design or something, I need some type of like artistic or like design compliment to that. But then I got to a point where they were going to make me take 
drawing 101 or painting 101, and I did not want to do that. So I dropped the minor, and then my computer science major advisor messaged and said, well, you're a sophomore and you're required to declare a minor, so we got to declare something this semester. So I said, well, I don't know what to declare. And he said, well, I just got an email from the registrar's office or somebody, and there's a new minor called spatial analysis. And I said, well, that, what is that? And he said, well, I don't know. I think it's computers and maps. He said, that sounds like me. That was like the light on, you know, above my head went off. I thought, oh, you can do both. Th those two things are related somehow. So I just said, yep, sign me up, sight unseen. I declared that as my minor. And you sort of have no idea at this point that that's kind of beautiful. You're like, this sounds great. I love it. I don't even really know what it is, but I will take that. Yep. Flying blind. That's kind of how I... <laughs> So, and I, I was really lucky that that semester, because they had created this new minor, they had hired a new faculty member, and he became essentially my mentor, and a lot of my kind of career tra trajectory was thanks to him. So, Paul Berger was, was, is his name, he's still, he's a full professor at Nebraska Kearney now in geography, and a former Northwest Missouri State geography graduate. So, um, that was kind of my first connection with Northwest long before I knew where Maryville was or even Northwest <laughs> existed. I just knew that that's where he went to school. So I showed up for my first class with him. And um, I just remember the first day he seemed very stern. He introduced himself. Hi, I'm Dr. Paul Berger. And one of the students said, hey, can we call you Paul? And he said, no, you can call me Dr. Berger. And I thought, okay, this guy's not messing around. He's serious. I like this. That just kind of happened from there. So. Pretty soon it was geography as a minor, then pretty soon it was geography as a double major, and then pretty soon it was geography. What aspects of geography? Well, so the, the intersection I figured out quickly is this thing called geographic information systems, which is now really the hot area. And um, so much of our life is rooted in, you know, location-based applications on your phone. And there's kind of a dystopian aspect to it. Uh, but that really is the intersection is computers and geography that I found out is Old-fashioned cartography that was print-based cartography has now become digitized and digital and computer-based. And, and then everything else that kind of proceeds from there, all of the spatial analysis, all of the geographical analysis, that's the intersection. So I found that and I thought, okay, this is where I fit. I also saw that a lot of my classmates who wanted to get into that field from the geography side of it struggled with the computer science, all the programming and the math. But I had come at it from, I was basically done with a computer science major. So the, the computer element of the GIS felt almost like remedial. And so I was just free to just kind of explore the geographic side of it. And so it was natural fit. Yeah. Sounds like it all worked out perfectly. You know, you had it the computer science out. background and then GIS starts up where that's such a big thing and you just naturally could go into it. So yeah, that was, it was like kismet. So yeah, exactly. And at the same time, the, the dot-com bust happened, I think my sophomore or junior year of college. And so then suddenly the computer science jobs, a lot of them dropped away. And the GIS jobs were still there. And I thought, okay, well, I was lucky. So when did becoming a professor fit into the equation? You know, you mentioned maybe being a high school band teacher, but that's that's a little far removed from a, you know, a professor at a college in GIS. It was never a thought. I never had that thought until probably I started a PhD program. Um, as an undergraduate, I, I guess I always had the inclination that I would like to be some kind of a teacher I had taught music lessons in high school. I taught like um, brass lessons and guitar lessons and things like that. And of course, teaching was one of those occupations that had been kind of modeled for me by my mother. So I, I could conceptualize being a teacher. 
but I never considered being a college professor. I had no idea what it took or what really even the path was to professorship. But uh, I got done with my undergrad. My th the same mentor, Dr. Berger, said, you know, um, you're good at this. You should consider going further. You should consider graduate school. And I never, I had not paid any serious consideration to graduate school at all. I had lots of friends who were going on to medical school or law school, so I know they needed more education. But luckily, GIS, geography, those are most of those jobs. You can find entry level jobs with a bachelor's degree. So I thought, I've got my education. Now I can go start working. And it wasn't until he suggested, hey, you should go and look at graduate school that I said, OK, I'll I'll go further. So. How did you pick where you were going to go to graduate school? It was also thanks to Dr. Berger. So Paul said he was an Oklahoma State graduate. And um, so he had some connections at Oklahoma State. He said, hey, they've got a good geography program. If you want to go there and apply, I'll bet you'll get in. And so I applied there and a few other places. And his former advisor at Oklahoma State was now the associate dean or, want, or somehow in the administration. He had just received a couple million dollar grant from the NSF like National Science Foundation for developing GIS curriculum for high school students. And he needed to hire 10 graduate students in different fields. So he had somebody in who was GIS related in biology, chemistry, forestry, I don't know. And they had nine of the 10 people hired and the one person they couldn't find. It wasn't even supposed to be a position I could obtain as a first year graduate student, but they made an exception because they had nobody and that position was a computer science-based person who could teach GIS. So I applied, got it. It was a great assistantship for me. I didn't even know what an assistantship was at the time. I thought, okay, if you go to law school, you have to pay. If you go to medical school, you have to pay. So probably grad school is the same. And it turned out, no, it, it paid for my, my master's program and even a little bit better of a stipend than most graduate students get because it was federally funded. So I just kind of fell backward into it. But again, that's, it's kind of a theme here as I go along. So, so it's thanks to him and that connection that I even found out about that opportunity. And then that funded both years of my master's degree at Oklahoma state. And it fulfilled this dream of uh, teaching high school because I would spend a couple of days each week developing like lab exercises or hands-on exercises for the students. And then I would drive out to a high school, small rural high school, Tennessee, Oklahoma, it's about an hour and a half west of Stillwater. And I would go teach there a couple days a week with like a co-teacher, with like a one of the established high school teachers. So I did that for a few years and it turned out to be a, a really good opportunity. So, so that's how I ended up in grad school in the first place or, or in geography in grad school. So it's interesting how many Northwest people have a connection to Oklahoma State because we had Tyler Taps on here and sure. he also had school there. And then Josh McKim, the NCED executive director, he also, I believe, did grad school in Oklahoma State, if I'm remembering correctly. So it's interesting. Maryville, you know, not very close to Stillwater at all, but we've got some, some yep. you know, Okie State folks here. So uh, the provost is in Oklahoma State. Oh, yeah. Hey. So I can spot him from the, from the neon <laughs> orange. From the neon orange. Yeah. yeah, the blaze orange color. So. So then I'm going to assume, but I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You got that taste of the teaching. You got that taste of the higher level of, you know, kind of geography, geographic information science or geography or teaching kind of in that area. Was that what influenced you to then continue on into a PhD program? Oddly enough, I still didn't have in mind this goal of being a professor. When I started master's 
program, I was still very heavily in the GIS programming quantitative geostatistics realm. And um, my first year of graduate school, I took a course called um, political geography. And uh, my advisor at the time, I think the semester project was like a 30 or 40 page research paper. So I wrote this paper. And uh, after the class was over, he said, you know, that is basically a master's thesis if you continue on with it. And so you should just turn this into a master's thesis and keep going. And it was nothing related to technology or GIS or anything like that. It was it was a paper about the split of Czechoslovakia in 1989 and then basically nostalgia for the country that used to be Czechoslovakia amongst Czechs and Slovaks about my age at, back in that day. And so that was like a 180 from the GIS technology realm. So then it was like, I'm throwing away all of like the, my really uh, marketable skills and I'm going towards something that's a very academic aspect of geography. And so I would say after I made that commitment and I really changed my focus, then it was like, okay, now this is something that I, I think maybe I would really like to teach. So um, I just basically decided I'll apply to PhD programs when the time came. And if I get some funding, I'll go as long as the funding lasts. If that lasts all the way through a PhD, I'll just keep going. And if the funding ends, I'll just use what I know and use the skills I have and just go find a job. So, so I just basically decided I'll ride, I'll ride the train to the end, wherever that is. And that took me all the way through a, a PhD program. So. But that also changed my focus. From then on, I was not a GIS person. I was a historical, cultural, political geographer. And that's where I am now. So how did you get from there to Northwest? You mentioned, you know, having a little bit of a connection to Northwest. My only real connection to Northwest was knowing that um, my mentor had gone there. And then um, a year after I graduated, I was still at Oklahoma State. Nebraska Kearney hired another couple of new geographers. And another one of them was also a Northwest uh, Missouri State geography graduate. So then I knew these these two and I kind of learned more about the history of our program here. Uh, there was a time when the Northwest undergraduate geography program was the largest in the country. Uh, and we're not we're not that anymore, but um, it was quite a prominent program at one point in time. So I found out that, oh, there are a lot of graduates from this program historically. And so then when the time came, I just remember I went to a, a graduate seminar one day while I was at KU. It was a modern Eastern European history course. And we walked in the classroom and our professor at the time, he had just milk crate after milk crate, probably 30 or 40 of them just full of folders and binders. So I said, what is all this stuff? And he said, well, these are all the applications for the other European historian we're hiring. And that was like my first, I was so naive as to like what the job market is for academic positions. And I just remember thinking it was like two or 300 people had applied for this job. And I remember thinking, well, I'm not the top out of 300 geography PhDs. So boy, this is gonna be brutal if I go down that path. So that even dissuaded me further from looking. And I had actually lined up, a, I don't know what they call it, alt academic career before they use that term. And um, I was gonna go into like intelligence work. Like I had a couple job offers from like some three letter agencies federal three-letter agencies. So I was going to pursue that. I had a job lined up. I went through 18 months of background investigations and clearances and all that type of stuff. And um, just when I was supposed to start that job, um, we had the sequester, the federal budget sequester. 
they cut a bunch of money out of the, the defense budget, half a billion dollars over 10 years or, or half a trillion dollars over 10 years. And suddenly the agency called, they said, oh, your job is uh, delayed six months or eight months. And um, I had a infant at the time and I thought, okay, I can't wait around for this. I have to keep moving. And so I thought, you know what? I know that the academic job market is kind of brutal, but I'll dip my toe in the water and I'll just see because it does seem like it would be a really a great job if it were attainable. So luckily, again, through these Nebraska Kearney connections, I found out that Northwest had two openings for two cultural geographers, and they were both being hired in the summer because a couple of people had left kind of unexpectedly. So I thought, okay, I don't have to be the best one. I just have to be the top uh, one of two. <laughs> so I applied, I came, I interviewed, they hired me. Luckily, I mean, the, the description of the position really fit me to a T. Um, and so it's just fate, I guess, or luck and some, a little bit of everything. <laughs> but I'm very happy I'm here, especially because Northwest and Nebraska Kearney are very, very similar institutions, almost down to their founding and their history. I mean, they, it's very similar histories. So I loved my undergraduate experience at Nebraska Kearney. I had so many opportunities there, so many things to get involved with and had a great undergrad experience because it's, it's an undergraduate focused institution. And so then when I came and started, you know, researching Northwest in preparations to apply, I thought, oh, this, this is just another version of that. So if I liked it there, I'll like it here and I can focus on undergraduate students and try to give them the same experience. And so, yeah, it's a, it was a natural fit for me because this would have been the type of institution I would have sought out anyway. I'm very interested in this cultural geography sort of realm. What was your dissertation topic? We used to play a game with all my grad school classmates or former grad school classmates, summarize your dissertation in two sentences. Yes, so <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> I think the title of my dissertation was Church-State Conflict in Slovakia between 1948 and 1989. So it basically looked at the end of World War II in Czechoslovakia, the reconstitution of the country, and the gradual takeover of the government by the communists. So that basically turned into a conflict between church and state because prior to World War II, most of the social infrastructure was run by the church, by the Catholic church. So hospitals, schools, all those types of roles were kind of um, occupied by the church. And so for the communist regime to take over, they basically had to wrest control of a lot of that from the church. And so that's, I studied that over a 40 some year time period. So, so what brought the inspiration for this? It, again, it's one of those kind of long simmering things that I just, it was an interest of mine, but I never really understood where it fit. And once I got into cultural geography, I thought, okay, I can, you know, as a geographer, I can target any region of the world to kind of try to make myself an expert or find interest in that region. And so for me, that's always been kind of central and Eastern Europe. The original connection is just an ethnic one. My, my ancestry is Czech, in case you can't tell from the name. <laughs> and, and Nebraska is the state with the highest percentage of Czech ancestry in the whole in the whole United States. So I grew up around people with last names like mine. And only when I left Nebraska did I realize, oh, not everybody's got, not everybody's a Beliba or a Klopek or a, a Czech last name. So, so that was really the original interest was just ancestry and heritage and things like that. So. So what are some of the classes that you teach here at Northwest? So you mentioned cultural geography and things like that. What are some of the, the classes that, you know, you're actually working with students in here? So I, I teach every, every semester at least two sections of peoples and cultures of the world, which is really a fun class to teach. I love 
getting a room full of non-geographers, non-geography majors, or I like getting a room full of students who vaguely recall their high school geography course or maybe never took one or took it and didn't like it. So I, I just always assume I'm starting with a blank slate or maybe I have to kind of undo some damage that's been done along the way. And so I, I really love that class. In the fall and summers, I teach maps and spatial reasoning, which is a much more technical class. That's learning about basically all the nuts and bolts you need to go down the path towards GIS or cartography, uh, those fields. So um, it's kind of, it's a 200 level class. And then in terms of upper level, I've, I've kind of ended up being our non-US regional geographer. So I teach geography of Europe, geography of Asia. I've taught geography of Latin America before. And then this semester, I'm teaching my very favorite class, which is uh, geopolitics. So I teach an upper level, like a 500 level geopolitics class. And last semester, for the first time, I created a course called Geography of Religions and Belief Systems. So, so the, that's kind of my rotation throughout across about two years. I'm not gonna lie, peeps and cults, big favorite of mine. Love that really? class. That class is a great class. Like just for general, like you cannot go in that class and not come away with some new piece of information. I feel sure. like you just go in and you're just like a sponge, like just dump the information, like dump the, dump the culture, dump the, it, it was just, it was so great. I loved it. I, yeah. I'm, I, my goal is just to build some basic cultural competency or intercultural communication abilities. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to make that class boring. What's your favorite part of teaching? Hearing myself talk. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> You should host a podcast. We get to do that too. (laughs) I would say it's getting to be as dorky as you want about whatever subject you want and finding a way to integrate it into the class. So as a student, maybe students feel a little hesitancy to really reveal how into something they are, how dorky about something they are. But for me, that's not a barrier anymore. So it's like, as long as I can relate it to what we're talking about in class, I can go in any direction. And so... I like to take the historical and tie it to the contemporary. So tie it to like current news stories or try to show students that this, this is relevant in this day and age. And so whenever I can do that, and usually the sign is if I have students coming to my office hours and referencing those things outside of class, I think, okay, I'm hitting the mark this semester. I've got somebody interested and they're doing work outside of class that I didn't assign. So, so if I hit that mark, I'm feeling like I'm accomplishing something. That's awesome. What are some of the jobs that geography majors can get? I mean, obviously GIS, those jobs are kind of, they kind of fill those specific jobs, but just, you know, straight up geography, what are, what are the kind of jobs that your graduates are going into? I would say the major two fields these days, just in terms of like opportunity are either some type of GIS analysis, like we have Midland, it used to be Midland GIS here, that's now SAM. Virtually all of those people come from our department. The one that I would say is most overlooked would be cartography. You know, cartography is a field that seems like it kind of went away, but no, it's just kind of emerged in new locations. So we're lucky that we are very in very close proximity to a lot of major corporations that need cartographers. So right now we're hiring cartographers that work for the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, which has luckily for us a branch in St. Louis. And right now we even have a like a, a formal agreement with them. We have a mapping program here on campus where students can go and work and make actual topographic maps for National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. And then from their perspective, they're desperate for cartographers because the median age of their cartographers is quite old. And so they're desperate for a new pipeline of geographers to become cartographers and work for the 
federal government. And so for the students we hire, as long as they demonstrate some competency, it's basically a direct pipeline right into federal intelligence community work. So I'm really excited whenever I see one of our students who wants to do that, be able to do that, because it's really difficult to break into that realm of work. Once you've got your foot in the door, you're in. So uh, so we have a lot of cartographers that go to work for the federal government. Uh, we have a lot of cartographers now working at Garmin because, of course, Garmin's in Kansas City. So I would say the most overlooked is cartography. So I feel really good. I've been teaching cartography here for at least seven, eight years every spring. And we've, hi- we've had a lot of our students hired in the realm of cartography. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. We have a lot of students who overlap with emergency disaster management, especially on the kind of the GIS side of things. We have a lot of our geographers who end up working in um, like state state government roles, uh, especially environmental roles like environmental regulation, sustainability development type roles. Um, we do have a handful of students over the years who make it to graduate school and want to want to either teach at, at a higher education level or or want to move beyond just a bachelor's degree. Um, and of course, I would say the other to get back to the question about teaching, I like to get a hold of the social science ed students because I want to make sure that they're going to become good geography teachers in the high school. So make my job a little easier in the next 20, 30 years. So we do have a lot of students who, you know, are kind of geography associated who end up being teachers. So yeah, that's kind of where a lot of our, our students end up. We're not a huge major, but um, really good jobs. It sounds like really really good jobs, especially if you're not averse to the technology side of things, really good jobs. And the globe collection. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? It always starts with one. <laughs> uh, actually, I believe it started with this one, this um, this nocturnal or this nighttime globe. I'm usually scouring flea markets or you know junk stores or estate sales, and whenever I see one, it's tough not to go home with it. Also, they're they're generally not very expensive, so it's like one leads to another, leads to another. So, I've got a whole host of anything and everything: foreign language globes, nighttime globes historical globes. And then they, they make them and then everything changes, right? Boundaries, right? Political geography, right? It's very yep. relevant. And then the globes are, you know, sort of obsolete and then they got to make some more globes. So a very yep. collectible item, I feel. That's yep. why they need cartographers, right? They got to update those maps and those <laughs> globes every time something changes. That's right. Well, there, there was a story in the news here just a couple of weeks ago that during the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, they captured some of the map sets that the Russians were using and some of them were like 30, 40, 50 years old, not updated. Whereas in the West, NGA, they've got up to the minute maps almost produced. So yeah, the, the stuff becomes obsolete pretty quickly and globes are expensive. So it's, it's kind of led to the decline of globes, I would say. But okay, more for me. <laughs> <laughs> Any other wisdom or uh, tips or advice for someone who might be graduating um, and looking for a job? I would say that you... If, if you're a geographer or a geography student, the, the one hump to get over is the idea that your future job title is going to be called geographer. You know, there are very few job titles out there where that is the description. But there are so many jobs where it says, you know, a degree in earth science or geology or geography would make you a good fit for this role. So you're going to have to expand your imagination a little bit beyond just looking for something called geographer. And I would say in terms of just general advice to students, when you find the thing that you're really dorky about, you don't have to hide it, okay? Because I, I hope that for everybody, all of our college students, that the light goes off at some point um, and they realize, even if they're in the wrong major, that at some point they they have that eureka moment or that epiphany 
where they find that thing that they really are you know, obsessed with or could spend a lifetime doing. And then the other piece of advice maybe I would say is once you find that thing, you have to take ownership of it and you have to invest time into it. There's only so much time we have as professors in the classroom to impart these skills and this knowledge. You know, if you really want to become competent in one of these fields, you have to, you know, do the work outside of class and really prepare yourself to make the most out of the time you have with the professor. So when I see students who clearly have spent hours doing something outside of class before they come approach me to talk and they're clearly full of information that they've learned, that makes me feel good because that's really how you're going to turn yourself into a individual who's prepared for whatever that job might be. So, Which is why the making the topographical max, maps is huge, right? Like that's just an opportunity to practice and get those reps in right now while you're a student. Yeah. Or to have that as a, a part of a portfolio. You know, I the, the one thing I've really pushed our geography students to do over the last number of years is to build uh, a portfolio using our campus resources because so many of these students will produce Every year, it's a cartography student who surprises themselves, who had no idea they had artistic ability or that eye for what makes a good map. And I have to stop and say, look, you know, you are really good at that. You should go further with that. And so, yeah, it's sometimes students surprise themselves with what they find out that they're good about. And then it's easy to be passionate about something you find out you're good at. So, All right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's very enjoyable. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat. And we'll talk to you next time.